Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network, a fresh episode with Sam and Sage. Sage, Minneapolis is buzzing right now. Big NBA draft trade last night. Jimmy Butler coming to Minnesota. You you an NBA draft guy? I was casually paying attention to the draft more, if anything, just on Twitter and the reactions to what was going on. You know, I don't know that much about all these college players to know, you know, the significance of uh, what what a team needs and what the players' skills are. And, you know, basically from the NCAA tournament, for the most part, is my is my draft uh, knowledge but uh that was really what set twitter on fire last night is the jimmy butler trade um and you know by the way by the way the nba is going you have to have three to four really good players on your nba team really three to four all-stars uh to make a good run in the playoffs and uh, obviously, the T-Wolves have not been in the playoffs, but now they've got three really good young players uh, who could be there for a long time. So that, that's a very exciting, very exciting move for the Timberwolves. And make sure to check out Locked On Wolves today to get all the analysis and all the breakdown of the Butler trade. They also drafted Justin Patton from Creighton, Omaha guys. He's an actual, he's from Omaha. Um, and, and Nebraska does not put out, a, the state of Nebraska just does not put out very many basketball players. They put out a lot of baseball players, a lot of volleyball players, uh, some football. Basketball is just not a big sport down here. It hasn't been. And Patton was a skinny you know, six foot nine, six foot ten high school kid that wasn't even very good. It went to Creighton, redshirted, uh, and, and as as a freshman, just had a really good year. And uh, you know, passes the ball well for a big guy, handles the ball okay, uh, is, is athletic. Uh, I watched him a lot this year. He's a he's a kid with a lot of potential, and uh, seems like a really good kid as well. So I think that's a that's a great move. Anytime you get a six eleven seven-foot guy that can move around and, and is coordinated and can shoot and can pass and can dribble. And I think I read that he grew up a T-Wolves fan, and you don't see that too often uh, with with big basketball players in the draft. So that's pretty cool that he gets to play for his favorite team. To football, you know, we've talked about all the divisions. We've talked about all the draft picks and all the OTAs and, and everything Vikings-related. So I think what we do before training camp, we fill this time with ranking our favorites at each position. And today I want to talk about a really difficult position to grade, I think, running back. It's a, it's a strange time in the league where some of the greats, some of the veterans are beginning to decline. You've got your Adrian Petersons. You know, can you put them in your top five? You've got Marshawn Lynch, who took a couple of years off and he's coming back. Does he still sneak in there? You've really got a lot of young running backs 
a lot of whom only have one good year under their belt. Where do they fall in the list? And I'm not even sure I have a solid ranking here, one through five, but I'm curious of a couple names that you would throw out just to kind of begin the nomination, Sage. Well, in, in my top five for running backs, uh, I want to start off with uh, with Iowa's own Clinton, Iowa's and uh, Northern Iowa's David Johnson. Uh, I love this kid. I'm not sure you know how high I have him, but I love him for the fact that he can do everything. He sort of is uh, a Marsh or not? I shouldn't say Marshawn Lynch, uh, a Marshall Falk type of player. Uh, he's not as explosive as Falk, but he can really do it all. He's explosive out of the backfield. He runs the ball well, but he really catches the ball extremely well. So I have him in my top five. Uh, I've got uh, Le'Veon Bell. I, I think Le'Veon Bell might be the best back in the NFL. I think if I could take anybody, uh, it might be him. He's He can do everything. I, I've never seen a running back in a long, long time as patient uh, as him out of the backfield. I got Le'Veon Bell as, as another one. Obviously, Ezekiel Elliott, I think he's a, a very, very good player, but you wonder, you know, how would he be if he wasn't uh, on the best offensive line in the NFL, which is the Dallas Cowboys? I've got Elliott in my top five for sure. I think he has to be after the year he had 1,631 yards, 15 touchdowns on a very good team at age 21. The sky seems to be the limit for him. You can't really hold it against him too much for having a good line. I think that's sort of the nature of the position because uh, you've got a guy over there in Todd Gurley with the Los Angeles Rams. Year one, he lights the world on fire in St. Louis, 1,100 yards in a partial season. Then last year, I don't think he suddenly became a terrible running back, Sage, even though his average was 3.2 yards per carry, had a horrible year. So how do you grade him against a guy like David Johnson, who you threw out, who's also got one good year, Jay Ajayi with Miami, who has one good year, Jordan Howard, the rookie with Chicago last year. All these guys have, you know, one solid year under their belt. So you kind of go back and you look and you say, well, which of these guys is built to succeed in the long run? And I look at Gurley just because of the way he's built with the frame and the power and the muscle. Gurley and maybe Johnson are the two that I think could stand the test of time because Johnson, as you mentioned, so incredibly versatile. And I think those two guys are battling for that fifth spot in the top five. Yeah, I, I really like Gurley, and, and he had a bad year last year, but that L.A. Rams offense was atrocious last year. I mean, their golf was not ready to play uh, in the NFL yet, even though he was a first overall pick. Uh, I don't know much about their scheme, but it was not effective in the running game or passing game, and I think that's going to change a lot. I really like uh, the, their new head coach, Sean McVay, and that you know he comes from that sort of Kyle Shanahan, Gary Kubiak, tree of zone running game and play action, and I think – back with Gurley's type of talent uh, could be really effective in that zone running scheme. So uh, I look for him to make a big rebound this year. And don't forget, by the way, LaShawn McCoy. That's a guy who isn't a one-and-done guy. He has been doing it for a while now, probably, what, year eight, nine? Uh, he's getting probably near 30. Uh, but I think Liam LaShawn McCoy was, uh, I believe, about sixth in the league in, in rushing last year. The Buffalo Bills had the most explosive plays uh, in the NFL last year. And they had more explosive plays in the running game than the Dallas Cowboys. They had 77 uh, explosive plays, which I believe are, are plus 15 or plus 20 uh, runs last year. And that's that's a lot. That's LaShawn McCoy. He's ex extremely dangerous. He, he's a guy you love to throw him the ball on screens, uh, hand the ball off out of the backfield. 
just get the ball in his hands. He's almost like a punt returner uh, coming out of the backfield. So, you know, don't hit on him. And then Tennessee, you know, they've got one. They, they, they really uh, play sort of an old-style fashion of football. And I like what DeMarco Murray did there last year. Uh, they have a very solid running game. I'm not putting him as a top five back. You have to include him as, a, as one of those probably top ten runners. Uh, he should be in the conversation because that Tennessee offense is built with, with the running game first. Well, you took the words out of my mouth with LaShawn McCoy. He's been in the league eight years, and five of them a 1,000 or more yards, and he might be coming off his most efficient season. It wasn't his biggest yardage season, but at 5.4 yards per carry, that was about as good as the league saw last year with that Buffalo running game. He had 13 touchdowns. He's age 28. He's probably got a couple good years left. Um, I think McCoy is definitely in the top five. DeMarco Murray, you mentioned, he's got 3,000-yard seasons out of six. That's not bad either. Bouncing around teams probably hasn't helped him because he's always acclimating to a new scheme. How about one more name, Sage? Devontae Freeman with the Atlanta Falcons. Two consecutive 1,000-yard seasons, 11 touchdowns each year. That running game in Atlanta is pretty fun to watch. That running game in Atlanta is what I'm, you know, interested about with with Gurley over with the LA Rams is, you know, that same style of zone running scheme that Freeman has run in the last two years under Kyle Shanahan's offense. The question is, once Shanahan has now left, will that offense change and by how much? You know, they've got Steve Sarkeesian, the former USC head coach, as their offensive coordinator now. So what's going to happen with that running game? So I love Freeman, but they have a whole new scheme. So this might be one of those situations where. You sort of buy and sell based off of the coaching changes that occurred on on those football teams. And so, uh, you know, one name that we have not talked about is Adrian Peterson and and also about Latavius Murray. Uh, The Vikings have, you know, for a long time now, for about a decade, when you talk about top running backs in the NFL, the Vikings, their name has been used. uh, But that's not the case this season. Yeah, that's a tough one with Peterson because if we're talking top five all time, He might be in it, but I don't know if he's top five in the league right now. Again, some of that is recency bias coming off of last year with the injuries and the inefficiency. And I think when you put his age into the equation, it's tough to imagine him getting back to a status where he could could run with an Elliott. He could run with a Le'Veon Bell. But we've counted Adrian Peterson out before, and I've kind of mocked all the reports coming out of New Orleans a little bit because everyone's saying he's in the best shape of his life and and on and on and on. But, you know, there's probably some truth to that. He probably does have that look of a man on a mission who wants to stick it to the whole league. Oh, AP is impressive in practice. I mean, by the way he runs and by the way his body is built, there's explosiveness. He's, he's, impre- he's impressive in practice. Uh, he may He very well may have a really good year for – New Orleans this year, and, and that would be great for Drew Brees. I mean, he needs to have some pressure taken off of him. Uh, you know, Drew Brees, by the way, making $24 million this year. I saw that yesterday at 39 years old. Good for him, still getting done. Uh, but uh, so, so here's what I have as my top five running backs. I've got David Johnson in there. Uh, I still like LaShawn McCoy. Uh, I have uh, Ezekiel Elliott, and uh, I got uh, uh, Le'Veon Bell as my number one. The question is, who is that fifth back uh, that we have in there? I mean, is it Ayaji? Uh, do, do you like Jordan Howard that much, who was on a bad Chicago team last year? Who is that fifth back? Yeah, that's tricky. I'm going to go with Gurley as my number five just because I think his ceiling is really high. He's still really young. I've got McCoy, 
Freeman, Bell, and Elliott to round out the top five. Gurley, McCoy, Freeman, Bell, Elliott. Next time, we will do top five wide receivers, and we'll see how that shakes out. One last thing on today's show, Derek Carr, five-year, 125 mil extension. Not too bad. Is that appropriate money for the Raiders star? Well, that's the way it works. You know, he has a, as a second round draft pick, he's in great position. You only have a four year contract. And so, the, you know, he's coming up on his last year. He's played extremely well in his first three seasons. And that's just the way it goes. You get paid more when you become a free agent. Uh, you, get, you take a little bit of a discount when you have a year or, or two years left, you know, on your contract. And then he was going to become a free agent at the end of this season. And they wrapped him up for the next, uh, you know, five years. And so, you know, his brother, uh, David, one of my former teammates tweeted out yesterday that, you know, Derek, you got lunch, bro. And uh, But I'm thinking to myself, you know, David, you better leave the tip. Dave made about 50 or so million uh, in his career. He did just fine. So, uh, yeah, good for him. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a whole article I read yesterday about the quarterbacks that are going to be up fairly soon uh, that are going to need some, of some big contracts. And, and uh, it, it, that was a great read. Kirk Cousins is in there. No, obviously. Sam Bradford was actually in there. I mean, trying to figure out the whole Sam Bradford, Teddy Bridgewater situation. But, uh, yeah, Derek Carr, $25 million a year. That's the going rate for uh, a big-time NFL quarterback now. Yep, that's not bad, and that's probably another reason why the Vikings are trying to just wait this thing out with Bradford, and it's increasingly looking like they're not going to pay him before the season. They're just going to wait and see how this thing shakes out with Bradford and Teddy, and who's going to emerge this season for the Vikings. It's essentially going to be an audition year for Bradford. I'm not sure the team's going to commit quite yet because they are in quite a predicament i think they should wait i mean everyone loved teddy before he had the injury i mean it was you know, teddy was sort of the mayor of minneapolis there uh for about a year and uh so if his, if his knee recovers i actually like his long-term prospects uh better than bradford's being that he's much younger so uh if sam goes out and has an unbelievable year uh, Sam will get paid. But I also re- got to realize I don't think Bradford wants to switch teams again. He's comfortable with this football team. Uh, he's comfortable playing in the Dome uh, in this division. Uh, he likes his offensive coordinator. So uh, if he plays well this year and the Vikings want him back, I'm pretty sure Sam Bradford will find a way to stay in Minnesota. That's a great point. Say Drosenfels, full of great points, on his way to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, my home state, to watch some soccer over the weekend. Should be a lot of fun. We've got to get this Gretna Prima Green team uh, going here. Should be should be live. We play Kansas uh, at about noon today, and uh, I think we play Illinois tomorrow, so it should be a lot of fun. It reminds me of many of the great Big 12 battles between Nebraska and Kansas. It's all playing out in Sioux Falls this weekend, so. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Yes. All right, he's Sage. I'm Sam. It's Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll touch base with you next week.
Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst.